Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including uh, special guest Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is June the 16th, and on this day in 1858, newly nominated senatorial candidate Abraham Lincoln addressed the Illinois Republican convention in Springfield and warned that the nation faces a crisis that could destroy the Union. Speaking to more than a thousand delegates in an ominous tone, Lincoln paraphrased a passage from the New Testament, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The issue dividing the nation was slavery's place in, in the growing Western territories and the extent of federal power over individual states' rights. Lincoln declared that only the federal government had the power to end slavery. While the southern states relied on an economy and lifestyle dependent upon the late labor provided by enslaved African Americans, the North opposed slavery. The northern states also considered industrialization and manufacturing the key to America's economic future, not farming. The entrance of the new states into the Union, such as Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska, brought to a head unresolved conflicts over which government entity, state or federal, should make the final decision regarding slavery. For his part, Lincoln firmly believed that the slavery was immoral and was wholly incompatible with the principles of the Declaration of Independence embodied in the phrase, all men are created equal. However, Lincoln prioritized preserving the Union above all else. After Lincoln's speech, several of his friends expressed dismay at its radical content. Leonard Sweat, an attorney and friend of the Lincolns, later wrote, uh, that the Lincoln's talk of using federal power to end slavery was unfortunate and inappropriate, although Sweat admitted that in retrospect Lincoln was ultimately correct. At the time, the people of Illinois ultimately agreed with Sweat. Lincoln lost the close senatorial race of 1858 to a more moderate Stephen Douglas, who advocated state sovereignty. Lincoln's eloquent speech, though, earned him a national attention, and his strong showing in the polls encouraged the people to back his ultimately successful bid for the presidency in 1860, although, ironically, it led to the dissolution of the Union. 1858. Governor Ron DeSantis announced the reestablishment of the Florida State Guard and introduced the new director of this emergency-focused civilian volunteer force, retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Chris Graham, by bringing back the Florida State Guard, Florida now joins 22 other states and territories with state-level defense forces, and many other states have laws on the books allowing for the activization of these organizations. Florida will add uh, 400 members to the Florida State Guard to respond to the project projected active hurricane season, more than 1,200 uh, members or individuals have already expressed interest in joining to learn more about the opportunity, you can just go to the website, uh, FLSG, I suppose that stands for Florida State Guard, FLSG.myflorida.com. 
The U.S. military has been kicking out great service members over the Biden administration's unacceptable COVID vaccine mandate. Uh, and they're even targeting members of the National Guard, said Governor Ron DeSantis. The bureaucrats in D.C. who hold control over National Guard are also refusing to increase the number of guardsmen despite our increased population, leaving Florida with the second worst National Guardsman to resident ratio. By reestablishing the Florida State Guard under the leadership of Lieutenant Colonel Graham, we have a great opportunity to expand our capacity to help people in times of need or disaster. Two months ago, I retired from the Marine Corps as a lieutenant colonel after two decades plus of service, and once I saw the opening to become the director of the State Guard, I decided two months of retirement was all I needed, said Director of State Guard Chris Graham. This is an unbelievable privilege to reestablish and build from the ground up a modern state defense force. Florida will be joining 22 other states and territories with state guards, but we have an opportunity to break new ground and deliver a tenfold investment for Floridians. Florida had one of the most understaffed National Guards in the nation. Only out of 54 states and territories, the Florida National Guard had the second-worst resident-to-guardsman ratio. The federal government has steadfastly refused to grant Florida the authority to support a larger National Guard, even after the National Guard Bureau completed a force-structure rebalance last year. Since 1958, the Florida National Guard has had 12,000 troops. At that time, Florida had fewer than 5 million people in uh, the civilian guard ratio was 375 residents for every guardman. Today, Florida's population is nearly 22 million, and the resident-to-guardsman ratio has climbed to a 1,750. Pretty amazing. Chris Graham grew up in Miami and enlisted at age 17. After enlistment, he graduated from Auburn University with a BA and was commissioned in the Marines. Graham was uh, temporarily assigned to the Coalition and Special Welfare Division, counted drug branch. He then graduated from flight school in Pensacola and served as a pilot for approximately two years. He has a very decorated and uh, record in the military, retired recently. And among other things, he had the Purple Heart, National Achievement Medal, National Commendation Medal, and Air Medal, the Commanding General uh, two. Uh, Marine Expeditionary Force Leadership Award for 2005 as well. So uh, it seems like a, a confluence of events really has created a tremendous opportunity for Graham, uh, Lieutenant General Graham, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Graham, I should say, as well as for the state of Florida. All good news. On Wednesday, Federal Reserve officials announced they would be raising their main interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point, marking the highest increase since 1994. The Fed signaled that they would uh, continue to aggressively hike the interest rate at the, as an attempt to rein in some of the highest levels of inflation the country has seen since the 80s. The Fed has reportedly projected raising the 3.4 percent this to 3.4% by the end of the year, implying another 175 basis points of tightening this year. This marks the highest interest rate since 2008. Economists have previously predicted a 50% basis point hike, which is double the typical size of a hike. Their increase comes following the, follow, uh, the monthly uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics report released last week that shows inflation has risen by 8.6% from May to the prior, from the prior year unacceptable. The question now is uh, whether the Fed can successfully engineer the elusive soft landing, the sweet spot between tamping down uh, between uh, demand to cool inflation without sending the economy into a downturn. 
uh, hiking interest rates uh, tends to create higher interest rates for consumers and business loans, which slows the economy by forcing employers to cut back on spending. Speaking to the press conference on Wednesday, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said our overarching focus is to using our tools to bring inflation back to the 2% level and goal. Making uh, appropriate monetary policy in this uncertain environment requires a recognition that the economy often evolves in unexpected ways. Inflation has obviously surprised the upside over the past year, and on further surprises could be store in store. We therefore will need to be nimble in responding to incoming data and, and uh, evolving outlook, he said. Powell also noted that 50 to 75 point increase seems most likely at our next meeting, adding we will, however, make our decisions meeting by meeting and we'll continue to communicate our thinking as clearly as we can. It's essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of long labor uh, market conditions that benefit all from the standpoint of our congressional mandate to promote maximum employment and price stability. The current picture is plain to see. Uh, it's kind of interest. Uh, the labor market is extremely tight and inflation is much too high. Against this backdrop, the Federal Open Market Committee raised its policy interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point and increasing and anticipates this ongoing increase rate will be appropriate, said Powell. Now, financial markets embrace the news with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1% and the S&P 500 up 1.4%. But on second thought, taking a look at the futures today, that's not the case. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 500 points, the futures. So it looks like it's going to be another massive sell-off uh, based on this news. In addition, mortgage rates jumped sharply this week as fears of potentially more aggressive rates uh, uh, were influencing the markets. The average rate on a popular 30-year fixed mortgage rose 10 basis points to 6.28%, according to Mortgage News Daily. That's amazing. A 6.28% jumping up from what, he, what is just a little while ago is in the threes. Well, uh, President Biden uh, may resort to using emergency powers if American oil companies don't increase output at their refineries, the president told oil CEOs in a series of letters Wednesday. Biden's statement blames oil companies for running historically high profit margins, even as Americans experience surging gas prices. Biden has recently raised, uh, faced criticism for a lack of executive action aiming at curbing inflation. There is no question that Vladimir Putin is, <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face, can't believe he says this nonsense, is principally responsible for financial pain the American people and their families are bearing, Biden wrote. But amid a war that has raised gasoline prices more than $1.70 per gallon, historically high refinery profit margins are worsening that pain, as if he knew anything about it. Your companies and others have an opportunity to take immediate action to increase the supply of gasoline, diesel, and other refining uh, products you are producing, it continued. My administration is prepared to use all reasonable and appropriate federal tools and emergency authorities to increase refining capacity and output in the near term and to ensure that every region in this country is appropriately supplied. He sent the letters to Marathon Petroleum Corporation, Valero Energy, ExxonMobil, Phillips 66, Chevron, BP, and Shell. The letters represent Biden's latest attempt to use executive action to curb inflationary pressure. His letter does not offer a timeline for uh, using these powers, by the way. The oil companies have yet to publish a response, although one of Biden's critics is West Virginia's treasurer, Riley Moore, 
who on Wednesday condemned Biden for the attack. The president's lecturing the oil industry about high prices is the height of hypocrisy, he said in a statement distributed to the media. Uh, if President Biden is looking for someone to blame for high gas prices, he need only look in the mirror. From day one, this administration has waged an open war on fossil fuels, and working-class Americans are now paying the price. Since last May, Treasurer, uh, Treasurer Moore has been leading national efforts to push back against attempts by President Biden and his allies to diminish access to capital for fossil fuel companies. The press release said these efforts began with a multi-state letter critical of special presidential envoy for climate John Kerry for privately pressuring banks to cut off lending for fossil fuel industries. Uh, we have been sounding the alarm for over a year, and now that this administration's command and control tactics to cut off uh, coal, oil, and natural gas supplies aided by the radical ESG, that's environmental, social, and governance ratings, Globalists on Wall Street would uh, hurt families long across our country, and sadly, these warnings have become a reality. See, this is uh, Joe Biden. He's basically a bully. Uh, instead of, for example, trying to get everybody to get shots, instead of using reasoning and coming to the American people and saying, look, we've got a problem here, and uh, well, let's confront this together. Here are the facts. Want you, I need your cooperation. No, he didn't do that. He said, you've got to do it. We're, we're losing our patience, was his comment. And now he's trying to bully the oil companies. Instead of going to him and say, look, we've got a problem. Let's see if we can't work this out, have a win-win, some sort of circumstance that allows everybody to get what they need. No, he's, uh, he's trying to bully them. And, uh, of course, he's not going to get the results he would if there was a level of cooperation and leadership. This guy, Joe Biden, is not a leader. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, Golf Shore Playhouse. Org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots organization that works very hard to help our children have the best educational opportunities possible and to solve the problems that they run into. We believe that the parents and grandparents and all the aunts and uncles that care about kids want to do everything they can to give the children in Florida an opportunity to learn and to thrive. We think we have smart kids in Florida. It's just up to us to make sure those smart kids have every opportunity to develop and and learn at the highest level. Uh, GoFLCA.com is the website. I must say, I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I remember our very first meeting, and I think you and Keith Law have done a fantastic job of helping to increase the level and standards here in Florida for public education. I know there's a way to go, but nevertheless, uh, it just had a major impact on legislation as well as policy here in Florida. So congratulations to you, Pastor Rick. Well, thank you. We keep trying because it matters to our children. And uh, we decided a long time ago we weren't going to give up. There are always obstacles, but everybody in Florida needs to believe in their kids and not give up on them. Absolutely. I understand there's a new metric out uh, on reading capability among people in public, uh, Florida public schools. Yeah, it's very well known that the third grade is a crucial uh, checkpoint for reading ability, proficiency, what's called, or mastery. And so Florida every year has been testing third graders to see how they're doing. And and the reason we do that is because their reading scores are a very good predictor of their future success at their next grade and and the rest of the time they're in school. And and all of us, I think, really know intuitively that if you can read, you can learn anything. Mm -hmm. And so the state tests that because we need to know are our third graders learning. Well, the sad reality is They're having a hard time with reading. Only 25% of Florida students tested at the level of either mastery or proficient in reading. Uh, it's It's a very worrisome thing because 
think about the 75% that did not. Yeah. And, and what we need to do to help those students is just uh, worrisome. Well, the projection of this, the direction of this is very concerning, too. I recall just a few years ago where the proficiency level is, was at 58%. That's unacceptable, but 25% is just unbelievably poor. Oh, it is. And, and you know, for those of us who love to read, and there are a lot of us, we, we just it, it's heartbreaking to think that children haven't learned how to read and developed a love for reading. Uh, how, can, how can we not help our children with that? And so we we want to to both point out the problem and help people to um, find solutions to that. Yeah. Now, the school people will tell you that well we've been through this virus time and so it was hard. Well, granted, but there are other schools across the nation that are doing outstanding work on reading, and we need to help our kids. And, and you know, even in Collier County, and and this measuring just the barely passing that barely passing is not proficient or mastery only 60 percent of the kids in collier county met that low or high or a little higher threshold it's just worrisome uh but there's hope and people need to take a look at that and and apply it not so much across the state but everybody who cares about a third grader needs to find out what their score was and do everything they can to help that student improve. It's summer, they have the opportunity, let's help our kids learn to read. And not backslide. So Pastor uh, Rick, uh, right now the uh, Kamala Patton, who's been uh, our school superintendent here in Collier County for, I'm guessing, five, six, seven years. I've forgotten now how long it's been, but a long time for when it comes to uh, superintendents of schools. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, on a couple of levels. One, let's related to these third grade reading scores. Everybody in Collier County ought to step back and say, now, wait a minute. We've had superintendent for, like you said, a number of years, longer than most superintendents in Florida, and our reading scores are no better than 60%, and that's the bare minimum of, yeah. of passing. We need leaders that will do better than that. And so everybody ought to just take a, a hard look at that and say, you know, it starts with the superintendent, and we need to find out what's going on now. We have an opportunity to change that. But it also goes to the school board because the school board hires a superintendent. Well, we need to take a look because it's an election year and we need to ask our school board members, why aren't our kids doing better at reading? And we should not accept any excuses. In fact, accountability means, you know, you guys have been on the school board for a while and it's not better. Let's find somebody who can make it better. And, and I'm not trying to say this in a partisan or any other way except an accountability standard. And voters need to realize that during election years and all these kind of things, we'll hear all kinds of explanations and excuses. But the hard reality is the reading scores dropped in Collier County 1% from 2019, the last time we did the test. And that's unacceptable. And we've got to have better leaders at all levels, superintendent, school board, everywhere in the district. Well, you know, Pastor Rick, I would say I say vote for whoever you want, just as long as it's not an incumbent. <laughs> you need to get get the old <laughs> well, folks. Well, that's that's right because it's the incumbents that have been responsible for the performance. So let's not be deceived. Let's not be fooled by that. Let's make sure they realize they want to take credit for things that they think are good, but they've got to take responsibility when it's not good. And these reading scores, sixty percent, is not good at all. 
be great to have a new approach for perhaps from, uh, more slanted towards classical education, somebody who has those types of beliefs that could lead us in that direction. I'm talking about the superintendent now. I mean, I'm on the board of uh, the uh, Optima Foundation that creates uh, 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 charter schools in, here in Florida, and the results have been so much better for charter schools as opposed to uh, the public school performance. Uh, that would be just very nice to have as a consideration. Well, that's right, and and those are good examples. And if other schools in the country can do well, we can do well. There was a school, I believe it was in Alabama, that was just top of the charts on reading, and this is not a school that had students from from privileged backgrounds, you know, where they had every advantage. These were students that all of the kids were on free or reduced lunches. All of them came from minority households, yeah. but the kids could learn. And we need to, to get rid of the excuses and focus on what can happen. And one of the things that needs to happen is we need to give hope to our parents and, and grandparents, aunts and uncles that care about kids. And Florida does have a reading scholarship for students who have trouble with reading. So if your student on, took the third grade test, if your student was in the third grade and scored a one or a two, there is a $500 scholarship available for you from the state of Florida to help your child learn to read. Wow. People need to look into that and take advantage of that. And, and let's rescue these children from the from the problems they're going to face by helping them learn to read. Uh, it's a terrific interview. Uh, Pastor Rick Stevens, again, co-founder of the Florida C Citizens Alliance. I encourage you to visit the website, goflca.com. GoFLCA.com. Make a contribution. This uh, this work costs money, and needless to say. Pastor Rick, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. You have a good day. You as well. Thank you, Pastor Rick. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can download the app and uh, find out more by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Uh, the Cato Institute is a uh, a libertarian educational foundation in Washington, D.C. Our mission is to promote the ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. And what that means in my area, healthcare, is that we want you to be able to make your own healthcare decisions and control your own healthcare dollars. You have a right to do these things, and to the extent the government is trying to give, guarantee access to health care for all uh, not or, or just improve the quality of care or reduce the cost, not only does it fail, end up failing to do those things and make health care uh, more expensive and uh, a negative impact on quality, but it infringes on your right to make your own health decisions. So I appreciate that uh, definition, and uh, that's an extraordinary and aspirational goal to have uh, everybody in control of their own situation. And yet, if we do kind of a post-mortem on what happened during the uh, coronavirus scare, and right now we're getting reports of uh, people living in Jones where there could be more coronavirus, so apparently they're fanning the flames of this whole thing again. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, our freedoms were... Uh, subordinated to uh, government control. I think the the whole thing that occurred, the sh the shutdowns, the masking, all these things, have uh, had a very deleterious effect on on what's happened to our citizens, citizenry across the country, including young kids going to school. What are your thoughts? So, post mortem on the coronavirus pandemic is going to take a lot longer than one than one segment on your show. Yeah, because the the there have been uh, so many lives lost over so many years with so many decisions uh, made along the way and so many changes in the data that were available uh, to inform those decisions that it's going to be it's going to be hard to uh, go back and say, all right, this decision uh, w turned out to be the right one and this one turned out to be incorrect. Some decisions I think we can say. Uh, did prove uh, to be wise ones. I think the it, the odds are very high that the federal government's decision to subsidize the the production, the purchase of the coronavirus vaccine turned out to be a wise one. A lot of other decisions that the federal government made about encouraging, uh, about uh, blocking diagnostic tests about encouraging masks and lockdowns and so forth. Uh, those range from questionable to horrible decisions. Yeah. Uh, 
still, it, it is difficult to know, uh, you know, wh- which ones uh, were uh, uh, are going to fall into the category of, of of wise versus questionable, just because this is such a, a complex endeavor trying to trying to uh, give people the information or change people's behaviors in ways that reduce the 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 transmission of what is a really deadly pathogen yeah and uh so that's just going to take a long time well and uh you know i think uh, your your uh, judgment about the the vaccines i think it was certainly open for discussion but right now the fda has unanimously approved a vaccine for kids as young as five years of age right <laughs> to, to who seem to be at no risk for uh dying or being hospitalized for uh, this illness and uh, to, it seems to me that we have uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies that stand to make a lot of money who aren't being held accountable because it's an emergency situation. Uh, to me, it just makes me wonder who's best, whose interests are the FDA looking out after? It's a good question. But to my mind, the question of whether the FDA should approve a drug is very different from the question of whether people should take it. Yeah. And uh, so when it comes to approving the vaccines for children, uh, yes, I want the FDA to do that. I don't want the FDA standing in the way of people accessing those vaccines or any medication. Uh, But that's a different question from should parents administer that vaccine or get that vaccine for their children. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, distinction. I, I appreciate that uh, distinction, Michael, because uh, what you're suggesting is that the FDA should not be a barrier to uh, to uh, uh, healing and 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 good uh, good medicine for people. Because too often, what the FDA does is it says, "Wait a second, we are uh, we're going to be so risk averse, we're going to be so cautious about what we approve." that it ends up keeping beneficial drugs off of the market, denying you your right to choose to, uh, to take the new drug or to uh, let your child have uh, a vaccine. And uh, it, it ends up costing more lives than it saves uh, by keeping unsafe drugs off the market. And yet, isn't that what happened with regard to ivermectin and the other therapeutics uh, the FDA did whatever it could to just simply uh, promote uh, taking the vaccine as opposed to using therapeutics that might help to uh, alleviate at least the symptoms, if not the disease, of uh, coronavirus. So uh, it did seem that that was the case. You know, the FDA did get expedited approval to the vaccines, and I don't mean full approval. These are... Um, uh, these were sort of provisional emergency use authorization uh, approvals. Uh, however, it really wasn't standing in the way of ivermectin, of people using ivermectin, which is a drug that was already available, um, a drug that was already available and on the market. The FDA had already approved it for um, for other indications. But doctors were what the FDA doctors were doing. I, I should say the FDA was preventing manufacturers from engaging in speech about whether the drug was an effective yeah. therapeutic for COVID nineteen because the FDA does that, even though doctors can prescribe that drug for other uses. 
legally. Well, and the, and doctors were being threatened with their medical license if they went ahead and did that in some places, uh, not everywhere. But uh, you know, it's a real concern, quite frankly. It's just I've, I'm currently reading a terrific book by Naomi, Dr. Naomi Wolf. It's called the the uh, bodies. It's called the bodies of others. I just highly recommend the book because it's a great narrative, and it is a great perspective on what's happened uh, to our freedoms. Uh, which, of course, are so dear to us during this pandemic. And I just encourage everybody to take a look at Dr. Naomi Wolf, uh, The Bodies of Others. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the president and founder of Less Government. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the role of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's not happening. Well, it's a big market, <laughs> it's a, and it's a great aspiration, though, so don't stop trying. So, Seton, you great, wrote a great piece. It's called D.C. is Ukraine. 
Just another money laundering operation for globalists. I couldn't agree more. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I'm watching as as the you know it's been a culmination of things that point to this. You know, when 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 the Russia Ukraine thing started and everybody in D.C. got in lockstep. Oh, we have to defend Ukraine. Oh, we we must defend Ukraine. There's zero national interest, and it's because people on both sides are part of this globalist money laundering operation where the money goes in as our money and comes out as their money. Yeah. And it finally occurred to me that D.C. is the same thing now. That's all it is. Um, and the the event that made me realize it was Trump imposed I did the math back at the time. In 2018 and 2019, he imposed a total of $46 billion in tariffs. That's it. But that combined with his regulatory and tax code improvements grew the economy from 19 to $21 trillion. Yeah. So the $46 billion is nothing. It's a rounding error and and contributed wholeheartedly to the massive growth we saw. And I think we're a fundamental component of why, for the first time in 50 years, people at the lower end of the wage scale got saw increases in their wages. Right. Is because we were finally moving jobs back here rather than exporting them out. Well, in the name of inflation, uh, you, you know, first of all, you saw Biden uh, last week, I think I wrote about last week, Trump imposed uh, tariffs on Chinese solar panels mm-hmm. because they cheat in every conceivable way. I mean, they they use slave labor, they use coal-fired power plants to make them, then they mass-subsidize them, then they export them here. And we have a couple of domestic solar manufacturers, and I'm not a big solar fan, but that's not the point. Right. It's the principle of fair trade. And we have domestic solar panel manufacturers who get undercut by these ridiculously subsidized and, and slave labor, coal-fired solar panels. So Trump imposed some tariffs on them. Well, then China started end-running the tariffs. They started sending their solar panel components to four neighboring countries that they you know, have under their thumb because they're China. You know, it's China and they're not. Right. And then they turn around and just immediately, you know, they're saloon doors. They receive them and they immediately send them to the United States. So Trump imposed the tariffs on those countries, on the solar panels. Well, you've got two competing interests in the United States. You've got domestic manufacturers who get undercut by this. And you've got foreign manufacturers who buy all these cheap Chinese subsidized parts and sell solar panels. So the second group of people hire almost no no Americans, none. Obviously, the domestic ones who do everything here hire more people. And I don't like solar, but I'm going to choose a domestic solar manufacturer over a foreign one because many, many more jobs are created. Well, the, the foreign importers of these Chinese parts lobbied Biden and Biden because he owes China billions of dollars yeah. uh, removed the sanctions while 
the Department of Justice is investigating China for end running by going through the four additional countries. So that happened. Then the business lobbies of all, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and all these business lobbies that have spent 50 years selling out America to overseas, including China, are using the inflation, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. They're under the name, in the name of inflation, they're calling for the total removal of all tariffs on China. Because that will, that will make things cheaper for the United States. Hmm. Let's do the math. Okay, there's probably $40 billion. Chinese tariffs are probably $30 billion. Let's just say that. It's lower than that, but let's say that. $30 billion spread out over 330 million Americans is nothing. It's not, it's not going to reduce prices at all. Right. What it does do is cut into the profits of the globalists because they have to pay these tariffs before they can import the foreign stuff, the Chinese stuff, and sell it in the United States. So once again, you've got, this happens all the time in D.C., you've got diffused benefit and, or, and, and, and concentrated cost. So the people that are paying the tariffs, the globalists, the business CEOs, the Wall Street guys, are losing money on the tariffs. Yeah. And so they want to, and, and because the tariffs are diffused among 330 million people, we're not saying anything, but they are. Yeah. So, and, and, and given Biden's just caved on the solar panels, I have a feeling he's going to do the same thing. On all the Chinese. Oh, I have no doubt. What you said is so important. And again, I come back to the forty-six million uh, billion dollars drop in the bucket. It's a rounding error in terms of our overall income, and that's what it was: is income to the United States. But the impact that it had on trade was magnified manyfold, and uh, right. that's that's the point here: is that we need to understand how these uh, tariffs can impact. Uh, the uh, balance of trade here in the United States and around the world, and also uh, create jobs here in the United States. That's exactly right. Like you said, Trump understood this better than I did when he started doing it, was the multiplier effect of these tariffs. China was having, I mean, you know, obviously global etch-a-sketch got shaken up by the China virus, but going into that, we were doing remarkably well, and China was really struggling based on, you know, $30 billion in tariffs we imposed. It was really hurting because they run such a narrow margin to, in order to undercut our manufacturing that the $30 billion or so really impacted them. It was really a, a, a drown drag on their economy. Meanwhile, it was a huge updraft for ours. Yeah. Great leadership skills being uh, exercised by our president, <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden. I mean, it was, he knew. He's unbelievable. I just uh, one situation after another where he's making decisions that are always on the wrong side of the American people. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. The website is lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. I hope you check it out. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's nice to be back. I, I don't know. I was lonely last Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not having the Bob Harden show to call into, but uh, I understand you're uh, you're doing well. Had a little hip surgery. And, you know, it's almost a thing. Remember years ago, uh, that was a super big deal. And today they 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 knock them right out. Am I correct? Uh, well, you know, Bill, here's the thing. This was outpatient uh, surgery, which is to me wow. just unbelievable. So I arrived there at uh, 6.45 in the, or 6.20, I've forgotten, in the morning and uh, was on the operating table at 7.30. Now I woke up and I said, when is the surgery going to happen? And they <laughs> said, they said we've already completed it. <laughs> oh my God. Now I had enough happy juice in me that I couldn't tell. Yeah. I didn't feel any of the pain or anything like that. But believe this or not, I checked in at uh, 6.15 in the morning and ended up leaving at 11 o'clock in the morning to go home. Oh, my gosh. Can that's, you believe that's, that? That's incredible. I mean, I remember they used to keep you three and four days. and Yeah. Whatever, and so 
they make you walk right away. Yeah, absolutely. I was on a, in fact, uh, I used my walker to get up to, to the apartment and, oh my uh, gosh. It, it, they helped me get in the car. But other than that, I was off and running and I uh, had a, a visit from the, uh, from the nurse as well as the PT guy that day, they had me up and wow. walking and doing exercises. So it, it, it's a phenomenal thing, Bob, uh, Bill. I just, uh, it's, it's yeah. hard, hard to believe that I'm ha really happy it's behind me. Believe me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And, and that, that's, that's amazingly awesome. And I'm so, I'm so happy for you. That's, uh, that's great news. Cause I know you love your golf and, uh, pretty soon you'll be back to doing what you love without pain, uh, pain free. Yeah. And that, that, I look forward to that bill. So I understand we had a city council meeting this past week. Well, they had a couple of them. Actually, I lost track. They had so many. <laughs> 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 Yesterday was their, was their finale before, uh, uh, before they broke for their, um, for their summer break, uh, which will be out till I think the 17th of August. And, um, I will say the new city manager, um, is, is doing very well. Great. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's taken the time to, uh, know the staff and to, uh, uh, figure out the council as well as anybody can figure them out. But, uh, he doesn't say a lot, but he, when he speaks, um, they listen to him. And, um, so I think he's going to do real well here. That's great to hear. I, 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 I really do. Now, yesterday they, uh, they got into all kinds of stuff and, uh, uh, dragged out a couple of things and didn't come to any conclusion. Um, they left one item off the agenda that was absolutely supposed to be done, uh, uh, yesterday. And, uh, because they, uh, well, the city attorney, they tried to blame it on the city clerk for, for, uh, for not posting it. You know, you have to put it in the newspaper a week in advance. Um, uh, and it's just an official thing that has to be done. Sure. Um, and, uh, the city clerk caught it. Okay. And, um, threw it back upstairs to the uh, city attorney. And so during the meeting yesterday, it was kind of comical because there was like a fingers being pointed and, um, the city attorney, instead of saying, well, yeah, it was my mistake, tried to blame it on the city clerk who didn't want any part of that. <laughs> it was it was kind of amusing to watch. And then uh, I felt bad for the people that needed it done because now they have to wait until uh, until August. Oh, that's uh, such a shame. And, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, the thing, there was a thing on the hospital yesterday again. Um, they're going to go with their with their alternate plan, um, three out of the four council members said, please, please don't do that. At least hold off and wait. Um, and, and, um, let's just see what happens, um, with the original plan. But, uh, they feel that, that their alternate plan will work and that the hospital will remain there and they'll be able to do what, what they, uh, what the hospital wants them to do. So, so uh, that that was it for for the hospital for the time being. And um, so, Bill, let me ask about uh, that, if I may. Uh, so I think they're asking for a variance on the code in order to increase the size correct. of for the heart institute. But apparently, right. so are are you suggesting they came up with some sort of a proposal that would meet the standards of the current uh, code? Yes. And, okay. Yes, they they, they did. Um, they they changed the designation and. Um, so it was stayed out of the commercial end of it, and um, they're they're pretty well assured that it'll work. Um, uh, there's there's a little bit of doubt out there, but I think they can make it happen. 
So I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, optimistic about it. Great. And uh, the you know the the public has made it very 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 clear that they want it. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, I think council heard them, you know, loud and clear. So uh, you know, um, uh, next. Uh, so the the city manager now for the summer can work with staff. And they there's a funny remark made. Um, about the mayor and uh, the city manager and the uh, city attorney would be working over the summer to do get some of these things done. And the last time I heard that, um, you know, the, the mayor was on vacation and the last time she said, well, I'm going to be here all season or whatever it was, whether it was this Christmas break or what, what have you. Um, she disappeared the next day and wasn't seen for about four or five days. So I don't, I don't put a lot of... Um, a lot of faith in that, but the city manager certainly will be working with his staff over the summer and uh, uh, working on some projects. So they, um, they 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 got themselves in a box on, on one of the water on the water outfall pipes. Um, how, what to do with it? And now they're rebidding it out, and it's going to be a mess. Huh. But um, generally speaking, um, they they were pretty good yesterday. Uh, so well, that's good to hear. Maybe they're getting their act together, Bill. Uh, yeah, it kind of yeah, re- kind of reminds me of uh, the the year that uh, there was some discussion. There was a dust up on whether you should have an ankle bracelet on or something like that to leave the, oh, the yeah. confines yeah. of Naples. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they didn't want me to leave the city at all, or, or if I left the city of Naples that somebody needed to know. It was like, that was hysterical. I'll oh, my gosh. But you, uh, that worked out. Yeah, you can't make so, that stuff up. Unbelievable. So but, uh, so would you have big plans for the summer? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're heading, you know, we're going to head up to Buffalo um, on the 20, around the 21st of July, somewhere in there, and... Uh, uh, you won't be able to get rid of me. I'll, I'll still, my Thursdays are dedicated to Bob Barton in the morning. I always <laughs> love having you on the show. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, keeping us informed of what's happening locally and around the globe. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I'm glad you're on the mend and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some terrific guests uh, for tomorrow's show. Uh, William Yateman is a uh, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We always talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill. I look forward to that discussion. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. So Larry's going to be with us. Michael McKenna is a columnist with the Washington... uh, uh, I've forgotten the name of the paper, but nevertheless, in Washington, D.C., yeah, a very interesting column that he's written about uh, controlling the price of drugs. And then Larry Bell, he's an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. His latest that he co-wrote with uh, Buzz Aldrin, he'll be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. And by the way, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends, uh, refer them to the website or to uh, the podcast location because that supports our advertisers. We want to get the word out, and uh, we really appreciate their support. Otherwise, the show, we, we just couldn't do it. So uh, thank you. I hope you make it a great day. And uh, on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are, namaste. <laughs>
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.